0: Public transportation is the backbone by which cities move. Globally, more people rely on public transportation than they do personal vehicles. And without great public transportation, our cities would just grind to a halt.
1: This is Transit Unplugged, I'm Paul Comfort. Great to be with you on another edition of the world's leading transit executive podcast, Transit Unplugged, news and views this week. We've got a great newsmaker interview coming up with Jen Shepherd, General Manager of Uber Transit, You'll want to stick around for that. At the end of the podcast, we also take a look at some best practices for attracting and retaining bus operators. That seems to be a big issue across the industry. We'll take a look at that after the Newsmaker interview. But first, some headline news from around the industry. We start down in Texas. In Austin, the capital city of Texas, where the Cap Metro Transit Board of Directors has announced that Dottie Watkins has been named the interim CEO of Cap Metro following the upcoming departure of president and CEO Randy Clark. Watkins currently serves as the agency's deputy CEO. The board chair of Cap Metro said they've worked with Dotty a long time and quote, we know she's behind a lot of success at Cap Metro. Continuing, Dottie has the trust of the community and the Cap Metro Board. The chairman said, I strongly believe in her leadership skills and know that the community and Cap Metro staff will remain in great hands with her as the interim CEO as CEO Randy Clark announced that uh, last month that he has been selected as the next GM CEO of the Washington Metropolitan Transit Authority in Washington, D.C. He'll begin work there later this summer. And he said, I fully support the board's decision to name Dottie as the interim CEO. She has firsthand transit experience. She's been with CapMetro for her entire career and has been responsible for multiple aspects of the agency's business. We wish her and Randy all the best as they move into these key roles for our industry. Now let's go over to Maryland, my home state, for an update on a project that I looked at when I was uh, at MTA in Baltimore, and that is a planned rapid transit connection that would enhance mobility from the Capitol Beltway into uh, Prince George's County and Charles County, Maryland, has received a $5 million grant made possible by the FY22 appropriations bill that was passed in March. The Southern Maryland Rapid Transit, SMRT, was one of several projects to receive direct funding under the designation of Community Project Funding Congressionally Directed Spending. And the two U.S. Senators, Chris Van Hollen and Ben Carden, as well as our Congressman Representative Steny Hoyer, said the funding will be used for the planning, design, engineering, and environmental review process of the project. Congratulations to Southern Maryland. They're moving forward toward this planned 19-mile fixed-route high-capacity transit corridor, which serves major regional employment centers. I know it's been a project uh, of the county commissioners of Charles County, where I used to serve as county administrator for a long time. Charles County Commissioner President Reuben Collins, my friend, said, This project is Charles County's highest transportation priority and the most critical component of our future mobility in the Branch Avenue corridor. So congratulations to them, and I know former Commissioner Gary Hodge has made this a, a lifelong project, and congratulations to him as well for pushing it all this time, finally getting $5 million of federal funds to help make this project go forward. In sadder news, Michael Haysetzer, age 76, of Cincinnati, Ohio, a industry leader for public transportation in the U.S., has passed away. He died on May 20th. His career in transit management, though, spanned more than five decades, and we celebrate his achievements over the years. Most recently, he was the executive search practice leader at TransPro Consulting in Cincinnati. Prior to that, he was a senior advisor at TransDev North America. He also served as CEO of SORTA, the Southwest Ohio Regional Transit Authority in Cincinnati, and as general manager of Metro Transit Minneapolis St. Paul. We wish our best to his family and friends, close friends, and he leaves quite a great mark on our industry here in public transportation in the United States. And now let's switch over for a little international news over to Australia and Queensland. We talk about alternative fuels. Well, I've got to tell you about some really interesting alternative fuels. Two state of the art bioethanol fueled buses have arrived in McKay for a Queensland first 12 month trial in the city's public transport network. Get this. They're going to be running on bioethanol fuel produced from locally grown sugarcane in McKay. It'll be the first of their kind used in Queensland public transport. It's an exciting time and a sweet ride for those who get a chance to take a ride on these buses. Hey, that's it for our headline news from around the world in the public transit industry. Now stay tuned for our great newsmaker interview with Jen Shepard, General Manager of Uber Transit, right here exclusively on Transit Unplugged. I'm excited to have with us my new friend, Jen Shepard, who is general manager of Uber Transit. Uber. We all use Uber. Jen, great to have you on the show. Thank you so
0: much, Paul. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Yeah. Jen and I were together recently at a conference and our our respective companies did a deal. I got to know her there. Very excited about everything that's happening there. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself, Jen, and about Uber Transit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, a little bit about myself. I originally joined Uber four years ago um, in the Uber Eats space as a general manager and then pivoted over to micro mobility, bikes and scooters as a general manager. During COVID, left Uber for a short stint, but I'm excited to be back to lead the Uber transit business. I live in Atlanta, been here for about 18 years on and off. Two kids, ages four and five, that really keep me busy, but thrilled to be diving into the transit. Space and uh, I'm really excited about transit and specifically how I believe Uber's you know unique capabilities are able to to really make a difference in the industry.
1: That's great. Hey, before we jump into what you're doing now, tell me about Uber Eats a little bit. And uh, I I don't mind eating now and then a meal. And uh, but Uber Eats got really popular during the pandemic, right? I mean, wasn't that because everybody was getting their food delivered at home?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uber Eats is a great uh, platform, a great service, and it, it really helps restaurants. It helps restaurants access the new eaters and build their customer base. And then it's all very, very convenient for folks at home. It no longer is delivery of food just pizza and Chinese. It's it's basically anything that's around you. And so we love love the product, and it's just continuing to be a, a big growth source for us.
1: And on the on the driver side. Is it the same drivers that are picking me up for a ride? Are they the same ones that do Uber Eats or is it a whole separate category or do they mix or what's the story there?
0: Yeah, so earners are really important to our platform and we've got different flavors of programs for them. So there are some drivers that primarily just drive people around as part of the rides. There are other drivers that just want to do deliveries. And then there are other drivers that want access to any types of work and they're able to qualify for it. So that that's a really powerful part of our platform is being able to give all those different options to
1: drivers. That's interesting. All right. So let's go on to Uber Transit. What is Uber Transit? Uh, but Uber really has embraced public transit over the last few years, it seems like.
0: Yeah, we are, we're really excited to partner with the transit um, industry. Um, but I'll, I'll just say a couple of things, like uh, specifically why I'm so excited about this. Public transportation is the backbone by which cities move. Globally, more people rely on public transportation than they do personal vehicles. And without great public transportation, our cities would just grind to a halt. And transportation is one of the most critical needs uh, of any household. Access to health care, access to food, jobs, and so, specifically at Uber, our mission is to reimagine the way the world moves for the better. And working alongside public transit agencies is a really important component of that mission. And it's also really, really important to me. Specifically, like over you know the last couple of years, we've stood up programs with over sixty different types of communities with public transit agencies: first mile, last mile, micro transit, late night outage, different ways we're complementing. Uh, complementary paratransit programs and these mobility programs have become a lifeline for the riders who are, who are using them and they depend on them for social and economic opportunities in addition to TNC for transit which I just described we also have software solutions for agencies and on the rider side we have journey planning and ticketing in the app so journey planning in about 45 different cities where you can actually plan your public transit journey in addition to like uber X's inside the app which really excited about.
1: I will say about that recently. That's pretty interesting. So somebody can go to an Uber app, what you said in 45 cities, and like maybe get an Uber ride to, let's say the train station, and then potentially- buy their ticket on the train station on your app or how does that work?
0: Yeah. In about five markets, we actually have ticketing, public transportation, but in 45 markets, we have the ability to see when trains and buses leave. You can get an UberX to the train station and be able to plan out your whole journey with public transportation in mind.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. That, that's interesting. That's good. I think.
0: It's great. It's something we really, yeah, yeah. We we lean into in a big way. And then generally, when we work with these agencies, we have a couple of different goals when we design these custom programs for agencies. One is improving equity and access. Two is increasing ridership and improving the rider experience. And then three is improving operations and cost. And then I'll say on the equity and access. That can be a couple of different things. That can be one, geography. So we can be helping improve mobility options for folks in geographies who don't necessarily have those options today. Or it can be like different cohorts of the population, like essential workers, like getting essential workers to jobs late night and and so forth. On improving ridership, we're actually able to give agencies access to our riders inside the Uber app, which is like super powerful to helping improve ridership with public transportation. And then on the rider experience side, we find that we're, we're pretty reliable. We're able to deliver ETAs within minutes in many cases. And we have both on-demand and pre-scheduling options. And so we're pretty easy to use inside the Uber app or through call centers. And then from an agency perspective for operations, I mean, excited, uh, the proposition we're able to deliver where agencies only pay for the riders or the trips that we actually deliver. We're not paying for assets that go unused. And we find that for paratransit complementary programs, we're able to deliver On uh, rides that are about 50% cheaper than dedicated supply and even quite a bit cheaper than the taxi supply as well. And we're able to serve, you know, so 70 to 80% of the paratransit base relatively easily. And so, with all of that, like really excited about the value proposition to riders and to agencies with our product. But we've listened to agencies and they say, this is great, but we would love it if it was integrated with the software we use for paratransit programs. And so that's why we're, we're so excited to announce the, the partnership with Trapeze. And so many agencies use the PASS software with Trapeze. And now instead of using separate systems to use our product and Trapeze's PASS software, it's all in one. And it'll be easy to dispatch to Uber rides for the hardest trips. Like we're able to get the furthest out trips, the most expensive trips, the trips that dedicated supply just can't easily get.
1: So is that using the trip broker add-on to pass software where then a dispatcher in a paratransit operation, let's say in Baltimore or D.C. or some city that uses pass, could look on their screen? And in addition to seeing their vans, they would also see Uber vehicles as kind of integrated into the overall potential fleet?
0: So, yes, it'll be an option that they'll be able to dispatch. So it's more around like the trips that necessarily don't fit into the dedicated supply. Right. And it'll be easy to just say, okay, I want to, to assess, do those trips qualify for non-dedicated supply? Gotcha. Uh, yes, we'll just send them right over to Uber inside the PASS software.
1: That's interesting. That's good. Yeah. I think Nat Ford, who's a good friend of mine who heads up Jacksonville Transit and is a real innovator when it comes to all kinds of things, including autonomous. Back when he was chair of APTA, the American Public Transit Association, I remember he encouraged transit agencies to embrace the new mobility. Basically that the role of a transit agency, uh, he and I both agree, I think, is, uh, is not just to provide mobility. Now it's to be an aggregator of all the mobility providers in a city. And it sounds like Uber is one of the key players. You know, in addition to, there's lots of other like scooters, like we talked about, e-bikes, and those things. Pulling them all together, tell us about some of the other new mobility options that Uber and other companies are placing into cities now, where they put in the scooters and the e-bikes. What's the role of all that, and how does does that tie in at all with the Uber Transit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, micro mobility is near and dear to my heart, as I you know managed operations for. The oh, same.
1: right, right, yeah. Like,
0: for a while. Yeah, I mean, micromobility has a really strong role to play. And it, it's one that we see strategic value in, especially as we're trying to aggregate different modes of green and car-free mobility options together for our riders to showcase, you know, there's value outside of personal car ownership. And so there's a strong value for that to play in short trips, in first and last mile, collaborating collaborating with a public transportation. And in fact, like Uber has a partnership, a global partnership with and a partnership with CityScoop in in Europe, where you're able to actually book a lot of these options inside the Uber app. And and we find some really compelling use cases around putting them in areas that improve accessibility and equity. And I mean, there's just benefits across the board for folks to be able to get places quicker in a more sustainable way, more affordably. And so we're, we're very excited to continue expanding in that space.
1: That's great. And lastly, let me ask you about autonomy. A lot of people have said a lot. Most TNCs, Uber, Lyft, others, they haven't really broken into profitability yet. But maybe they'll be profitable when we can have some autonomous vehicles or whatever. Uh, what's the story on all that? Can you give us the inside scoop on on where we're headed with autonomy?
0: Yeah. Yes. So autonomy, autonomous vehicles they're not going to happen overnight. It's going to be relatively slow, but it's going to be a really important part of the transportation sector when it happens. And therefore it's going to be a really important part of Uber business. We're not building AVs ourselves. We are partnering with them and we've decided to bring the AV developer fleet onto our network. We're the largest mobility platform. And so we're the natural choice for these fleets as a one-stop shop for mobility, delivery, and freight. Um, So we're definitely partnering with different developers at this time, but AVs are still student drivers and they're not able to handle every type of trip. And so we believe we can add AVs to the routes that make sense and then we'll continue to have our core network where they don't, which is the majority of the routes for a for time being. You'll see uh, we recently actually announced some pilots and we're going to continue to you know, dive deeper into that space. But our goal is to hopefully get to a future where folks don't need a driver's license, which is really exciting. Our, recently, we announced two autonomous delivery programs in L.A. with Serve Robotics and Motional. Uh, Serve Robotics' friendly sidewalk robots offer short-range deliveries with easy hands-offs, so you'll see that in the EAT space, and then Motional builds all-electric autonomous vehicle fleets designed to safely navigate city streets. Very excited about the space and what it can do to transform um, the entire industry of how people move around and essentially how it'll transform what cities look like um, with the different utilizations of space. but it's it's gonna be a while, and we are happy to partner with folks as as we all navigate this.
1: That's great. Jen Shepard, thanks so much for sharing with us uh, the role of TNCs when it comes into kind of, working in concert now, I think, with public transit. I think that we complement each other. And I think most transit agencies have figured out that they can't be all things to all people, right? That there needs to be additional players in there. And all the stuff you talked about, the last mile solutions, transit deserts, late night trips, trips that are outside, the the maybe where we could do the high efficiency rides per hour when it comes to paratransit, they can be outsourced. So there's lots of places where Uber and other TNCs like you can be utilized to really complement and do what we all want to do, which is what we, we keep in mind, right? Which is we begin with the end in mind. And the end of public transit is to promote access to all of life's opportunities for everyone that lives within our service area. So we thank you for being a complimentary partner with transit agencies across America to help make that happen.
0: Absolutely. Yes, I am thrilled. I'm thrilled to come on board and continue and deepen our partnerships with agencies. That, that's our goal.
1: Yep. And I got to do a name drop at the end. My buddy, Dmitry Vanjigoff, who is uh, who is the doppelganger for my son, Joe, works with you on your team yes. and is a great guy as well. And thank you for the role he's played in helping make all this happen too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He is a, uh, a core part of our team and an awesome guy to work with. Yes. Take care. Thank you so much.
2: Hi, I'm Aleia Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Now seems like as good a time as any to review some crisis communications basics. As a public official leading a transit agency, how do you need to communicate when something goes wrong? First, start now by being prepared. If you're going to need to talk to the media, you need to keep an up to date press list with current journalists' names and contact information. Better yet, Be in touch with them regularly, comment on their stories, transit-related or not, and offer them resources. Next, appoint a spokesperson. If you're in a small organization, that might be you. The important thing is to know who will step forward and speak to the press and the public in an emergency. Finally, when crisis hits, communicate quickly. Your public wants to hear from you, even if you don't have all the answers, and you won't consulting with counsel as necessary, share the information you have, being willing to say you don't know everything, and that you'll provide updates as new information becomes available. I hope we all have the fewest crises possible, but in case you want to talk about crisis communications or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y.
3: Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Patera, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about mentorship, leadership, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Leadership. As today's guests talked about today, public transportation is the backbone of why cities move. It's a critical need, and it's great to see our leaders discuss that and, more importantly, lead with that message. As we learned during the pandemic, our frontline operators were the key to many people having a lifeline during the pandemic, both socially and economically. I have often said it, Transit is the great equalizer. It gives people opportunity, it gives people choice. Over the years, Transit Unplugged has given us insight to many great leaders, whom you can help be inspired by. Changemakers that believe in innovation, taking chances, and allowing their teams to make key decisions to embrace new mobility options. Leadership continues to be key as we look to bring back ridership, retain workforce, and recruit new talent. great leadership also fosters organic mentorship. As people are inspired, they begin to emulate behavior, ask questions and continue to be engaged. It's contagious. And how does all this start? Simply by being kind, with leaders recognizing and empowering their teams, taking time to say thanks and highlighting a key project or milestone. Continue to move your team towards that common vision. Thanks for listening, thanks for leading. Kindness is cool and have a great week.
1: Thanks for being with us today on the podcast today we move now into the future of public transportation segment where we take a look at a hot topic that is trending in our industry in depth today i want to talk about how to maintain your operator workforce it's been a big issue i've been around to i don't know maybe five transit conferences over the spring and in every conference and in my conversations with ceos for the podcast and our tv show i continue to hear that the great resignation has impacted our transit agencies in a major way, especially in our driver forces. Hundreds of drivers are needed at agencies at big cities around the country, and scores of them are needed at small and mid-sized agencies. And I've been asking people, you know, what do they think is behind people leaving and what are they doing now that works? And I wanna share with you some ideas that I pulled together that may be of help uh, to you and your transit agency. During the Risa SWADA conference, uh, Southwest Transit Association conference, Mark Zupersky, president and CEO of On Your Mark Transportation, provided some tips on retaining and recruiting drivers. He says that two of the top reasons operators leave is because they don't feel a sense of belonging and they don't feel a sense of fairness, which I think is good. I talked to some other folks most recently at the CTAA Expo, and one of them mentioned to me that they've been hearing from drivers that they want, that coming out of the COVID pandemic, when a lot of them were able to have home jobs, work from home, and now they've come on board as drivers. New drivers are a little surprised at the length of the shift, you know, eight hours, and sometimes they, the newer drivers get the worst shifts, so to speak, and there's concern about that. And she was suggesting that maybe there's a way we can address that in some agencies. It's difficult, I think, with collective bargaining agreements and how they're set up for newer drivers to have uh, better schedules. But um, anyway, that was an idea she had. Some other ideas that you might look at, according to Mark and others, is uh, to evaluate what the driver room is being used for. Are there thank you notes in the driver room? Uh, Is there a hall of fame? Is the room being used as something other than a break for operators, a break room? I think that's key. It shows our appreciation to the drivers if we have an area where they can, you know, where we're honoring them. And then check in on social media. He says, what are workers saying about your agency? Consider joining operator groups, especially on Facebook, to get a pulse on driver's issues. This also goes for Glassdoor and Google. You may also, in addition to doing hiring bonuses, think about retention bonuses. Some of the existing drivers have expressed to agencies that I've talked to that they feel it's kind of a slap in the face. If you're gonna get a $1,000 sign-on bonus, what about for those of us who've stayed with you? Do we get anything? Also, check out your dispatch records and see if there is favoritism in offering better schedules or overtime. Make sure it's being done fairly. I think that's key. I've seen that in the past where if you're friends with the people who uh, do the schedules in some systems, you might get better, easier shifts, so to speak. And uh, we need to make sure that we're doing it fairly and by the book. Obviously, most people already have union operations where they get a chance to hear from the operators. But some folks are saying to even create a driver council or town hall meeting, some way to hear directly back from your internal stakeholders on what is working or not working One thing I did at the MTA when I was CEO in Baltimore was I made sure I did regular town hall meetings where I listened to the operators and the mechanics. Uh, We had an opportunity for them to give feedback after I gave a report on what's kind of happening throughout the agency. And then I made sure that I answered either on the spot, whether I thought we could do that or not, even if we could or couldn't at the moment. I always reported back to them up on big posters that we put on the walls. Here is the response within 30 days after the meeting to what you raised. One question, we didn't identify the people by name, but question number one was, you know, why is this happening? And here's our response and here's what we can do about it. So I made sure that we completed the feedback loop. I think that's key. Other ways to do it is to catch people doing a good thing and thank them for it. If you can do tickets, you know, to the movies, if you're allowed to do that kind of stuff for free gifts that so you can give uh, small gifts to drivers when you catch them doing something good. Just as a way to honor, in addition to your normal driver recognition program, like we started a superstar program at the MTA where we were there, when you hit certain KPIs or you did extra special things, you got recognized. You know, Napoleon said, I can motivate my men more with a red ribbon than I can a bag of gold. I think it's important to do both, to be honest with you. We need to make sure our salaries and benefits are as good as they can be hitting the marketplace, but also we need to have public recognition of how people are doing And we need to look at our training programs. Are our training programs too long and lengthy? A lot of agencies, it takes eight to 10 weeks to get through a driver training program, especially when it includes having to train them for their CDL license. But is there training for managers, sales and customer service staff? Take a look at that and make sure it's optimal. Talk to your top drivers, your top operators, see how they came to the agency so you can repeat it. And then make sure you communicate open positions, not just in the normal places where you advertise, but look for places that will promote more equity inclusion in your workplace. These are some ideas that have come up in the industry that I wanted to share with you on ways that you might be able to, in the future, continue to attract and retain your driver workforce. Thanks for being with us today on the Transit Unplugged Podcast.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views and our special guest, Jen Shepard, GM of Uber Transit. Next week on Transit Unplugged In-Depth, we have Melinda Metzger, Executive Director of Pace Suburban Bus in Illinois. If you ever have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on Transit Unplugged, feel free to email us anytime at info at So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.